Well, I actually watched a video recently because I think Pepsi just redid their logo mm -hmm. and it was like their last logo mm -hmm. that they had for a while. They paid like a million dollars for someone to design and it was like a whole dissertation just on making a logo that was not very complicated. And I was like, why would you spend that kind of money? Like, I feel like I did that in college. I made stuff that looked like that in college. <laughs> um, so yeah, they just, that one, the one with like the wonky, uh, the Pepsi with like the wonky curve yeah, through the middle, year. that's what it was. And they've changed it. But apparently they spent like a ton of money to have someone like a marketing firm make it. And I was like, they did a lot. There's a lot of stuff to it. And I was like, this is wild that they would pay this much money for that. Yeah. This... So like, honestly, it never stood out to me. Yeah. This logo with a weird swoop that seemed quite far removed from their classic logo where it was just a, a middle white stripe that curves. And they've gone back to that, the, the wavy white stripe between the red and the, the blue um, patterns on top and bottom. Um, yeah, and, and then for a while, there was this kind of ultra simplistic kind of, I'm looking at an illustrator rendering here that it, uh, you know, it doesn't have that same wavy effect. It's just this, um, yeah, this like wing shape looks like a, like a dragonfly wing going through. I mean, we all know how it looks, but yeah, I, it never really felt. <laughs> yeah, it never felt truly Pepsi to me. <laughs> yeah, and or, that's why I was yeah. like, well, and apparently they did like I guess when they were doing this, they did a bunch of like, like studies on different shapes within the logo, mm -hmm. and that's the one they settled on. And I was like, why? Yeah, I, I was like, I'm not reading this whole thing because it was like a couple of pages long, but. It was pretty crazy. I, I want to say that there's also like a video on YouTube that also talks about it, but I was like, it's pretty weird that they spent, yeah. you know, millions of dollars for a forgettable logo. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they are a billion dollar, you know, multi-billion dollar company. So they probably should spend that much money on their most yeah, recognizable <laughs> imagery if they're not developing it internally. It, that that famous redesign that's now been replaced is kind of evocative of the Nike swoosh. Um, so maybe they were trying to capitalize on on that, on that success. Um, but yeah, I, I like this new look. That's just the classic Pepsi that I think yeah. even... Yeah, I, I don't think anyone really got used to the asymmetrical swoosh logo. I don't either. That'd be like if Coke tried to do something crazy. And I'd be like, yeah. no, just keep it the way we like yeah. it. <laughs> the only, yeah, I think the only reason there wasn't a massive outcry is because there isn't the same brand affection towards Pepsi as there is towards Coke. Because there was the major, you know, <laughs> a protest of Coke when they tried to change their formula back in the day. Um, uh, yeah. Cool. Well, and I know they've like, they've done it. They did that with uh, Coke Zero too. Like they were like, "Oh, we're gonna change Coke Zero. and people were like, "Don't, don't make it weird. Don't, don't change it." But I, Coke like dominates the South. I mean, we have the Coke factory in Atlanta, mm -hmm. so I'm like, I feel like if they did anything, like people in the South would like revolt. They'd be like, "What, what are you doing? Yeah, don't change it. What are you doing?" Because <laughs> yeah, it's like Pepsi. you know such a staple here. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's interesting that there's two, you know, major brands selling virtually the same products. Just I guess because these things are so in demand that there's room. You know, yeah. I mean, monopolies are never good, but yeah, I imagine. I don't know. It's if somebody prefers Pepsi where you live, it's probably kind of there's probably a very specific reason like they just for some reason really prefer the the subtle difference in the taste and so they'll go for pepsi but it's just so much less common where you are i feel yeah i like it's funny because i've worked in like back in the day i worked in restaurants and i worked at one specifically that had pepsi products mm-hmm. and people were like oh can i have a coke and i'd be like oh is pepsi okay and they'd be like no no <laughs> i don't want it or they would get like a diet Pepsi with lemon mm. and which I can kind of get like, I will drink. I, I'm a Coke zero person. If I do like caffeinated soda and, mm. and I guess comparison, when I drink them both, Pepsi's a bit sweeter than Coke is at least to me. So I guess I was like, I could see people adding lemon to like cut the sweetness. So that might be why people do that. But yeah, I'm like, I don't care if I go somewhere and they're like, oh, it's Pepsi. And I'm like, whatever, just give me the equivalent. If I said Coke, give me Pepsi. That's fine. Um, yeah. And it's the same, like Sierra Mist and Sprite. My my daughter likes Sprite. So if we go somewhere and they're like, oh, Sierra Mist is fine. I'm like, I don't care. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of, it's basically Sprite. Just put it in the cup. She doesn't, she's not going to know the difference. Yeah. It's all kind of addictive poison in a way. Yeah. I, I'm. <laughs> I'm agnostic when it comes to soda. No, <laughs> um, I okay. Well, first off, I, I'll uh, I'll keep this sort of some of this logo com- conversation in. It's a fascinating, fascinating topic on the podcast. <laughs> yes, the podcast conversations about animation. This little thought chat we're doing. Uh, welcome, Bridget. Thanks for coming in from where you are down there. We we made reference to the locale. The great state of Georgia, home of Coca-Cola, among other things. Um, and I'm up here in snowy northern Minnesota. Uh, we just had a snowstorm, and now the ground is, is all white again after having completely melted, or near completely melted. There was like 14 inches of accumulation before the warmer spring weather started to creep in, but now uh, we just got dumped on, so... It'll it'll look white out there for at least you know maybe a day or so before it all melts again. <laughs> so weird. It was eighty seven today. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it was no, very it's... warm. It's basically summer now, uh, and you guys are still in winter. So okay. our own little flurry. Uh, this uh, yeah, podcast. Uh, you know, subtitle conversations about animation. Although uh, the topic for today mainly revolve around probably the uh the Mandalorian season three the Star Wars Disney plus show uh, we've discussed on podcast episodes previously the Mandalorian I think seasons one and two combined in one episode and then the book of Boba Fett uh, my brother and I talked about that and Andor I talked about that with my sister and her husband um, so, you know, some some Star Wars love here on the Thodcast. Um, of course, you know, uh, why aren't we talking about, say, the Bad Batch, if this is supposedly a, an animation episode? Well, uh, <laughs> Bridget, you haven't seen the Bad Batch, I don't think. So that's why. I don't know what that is. So. <laughs> <laughs> I 
it's it's a Star Wars animated series uh, that yeah. recently wrapped up its second season, and and I did watch it. It was pretty good. Um, but yeah, it's what does uh, it come on? I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's on Disney Plus. Um, oh, so I have to watch it. I didn't know you, that existed. Yeah, if you've seen the Clone Wars or Star Wars Rebels, these are other similar CGI animated uh, animated series. Um, but yeah, it's a, a lot of similar um, themes and characters. Um, you know, the Clone Wars is. Uh, it, it largely revolves around the titular clones, um, and they're all voiced by the same guy—not the guy who played the clones in the Star Wars films, but uh, a professional voice actor, D. Bradley Baker. Uh, fans of voiceover recognize that name, D. Bradley Baker. He's kind of a an ingenue or a, or a uh, what do you call it? Um. <laughs> Anjanu implies he's kind of new on the scene, uh, more more so. He's like uh, an OG. OG. <laughs> he's well, been doing it for a minute. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, he's kind of the new Frank Welker. Does a lot of like animal voices, a lot of um, effects based voices. A virtuoso. That was that was the oh. word. I so he's he kind of like Andy Andy Tudyk. Yeah, he can kind of do anything with his voice. Um, so he can replicate the. Uh, New Zealand, you know, the Kiwi accent of the, the actor who played the clones originally fairly well. Um, and then the Bad Batch is about a group of clones that have um, desirable genetic mutations. So they're own they're their own little 18 of uh, specialist uh, uh, operatives. <laughs> and then now they're on the run because the Clone Wars are over. And the Empire is coming in to muck everything up. Well, anyways, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's a fascinating show. Uh, we're mostly going to cover some Mandalorian here. Maybe just briefly. I, I don't know. There's any number of things I wanted to talk about today. Um, uh, like uh, <laughs> the, uh, I don't know, my uh, one of my favorite... Uh, podcasts armchair expert although i've kind of fallen off that a little bit lately where i'm way behind uh dax shepherd of course thodcast is partly inspired by frozen if you've been around uh both bridget you and i big fans of frozen i i particular love the work of disney animation and uh, affection towards the film frozen um but uh <laughs> related I just to that actually yeah. i just got the uh the hundred the hundred, whatever it is, the hundred, yeah. what, the hundred years Disney thing or the hundred Disney. I don't know. Oh, why okay. On here. It, but I have the Elsa, but she's on, she's on the shelf with Anna and Kristoff. So <laughs> I don't keep them in their boxes because I'm a weirdo. Um, I like to look at them. Yeah. Let me um, uh, make the screen larger here. Um, okay. I, I, uh, I also, I also yeah. busted out my... My oh, bobblehead, yeah. Funko, yeah, Mandalorian, yeah. and Grogu. <laughs> Red Grogu. But yeah, uh, Dax Shepard does a podcast I listen to, you know, fairly regularly where, uh, and he's the husband of, uh, of Anna, Anna uh, Kristen <laughs> Bell. Um, so connection there, but uh, I'll, I'll maybe save that. Um, I don't know. He, he talks about his adventures in AA 
And uh, over the weekend, I saw the movie Renfield, which is about Al-Anon or or a version of it. It's a, a codependency uh, support group <laughs> where uh, one of the members is uh, is the you know, arch henchman of Dracula. This guy, the <laughs> Dracula's uh, assistant. So I don't know. People probably seen trailers for that all over the place. Kind of funny that uh, that that movie it supposedly cost like sixty million dollars, but made less than nine million at the domestic yeah. box office. It's kind of flopping hard. I was listening um, to the like you know the little talk radio they do in the mornings uh, on the way to school one day, and they were like, "Oh yeah, it made seven million, and it cost like sixty million to make." And I was like, "Ooh, <laughs> not good." <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem necessary. It came in behind the movie called The Pope's Exorcist, which cost less than like twenty million dollars to make. So yeah, might have been I've seen trailers for that too. Yeah. But yeah, you would think that they'd have a bigger budget. You got to do yeah. exorcist type things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was a lot of visual effects in Renfield. It was a, it was definitely a visually fairly spectacular film. Um, and I, these, I mean, I really like. Um, my 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 brain's not working today, but it's uh, the the dude. Uh, Nicholas Cage Nick, is Dracula. Nick, and, oh, Nicholas, Nicholas Holt. Yeah, the two Nick. The oh two yeah, Nicks. yeah, he's the guy, like his person. Yeah, plays uh, Renfield, the Dracula. Two Nicholases. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, uh, I thought it was cool to see Nicholas Holt headlining a big new theatrical release, but uh, not faring all that well. Um, and then <laughs> Super Mario is, of course, cleaning up. It's kind of unfortunate for the theater where I saw it that's currently undergoing renovation. So half the houses are uh, inoperative. And so uh, the one of the largest theaters was uh, set aside for Renfield, probably because contractually, this was supposed to be like a block, you know, quasi blockbuster release. And so, you know, the distributor Universal or whoever you know, made sure, well, you have to reserve, you know, one of your largest screening rooms for, for our new film, Renfield, um, if you're going to take our film. But it was it was mostly empty. Uh, and <laughs> I'm sure all the Super Mario uh, screenings, you know, some of which have probably been kicked to some of the small theaters, um, you know, small screening rooms were... Uh, in desperate need yeah yeah just totally (laughs) packed um but yeah we're just getting in recliner seats at the local theater so uh that's kind of nice there are fewer seats now (laughs) but uh, that is the downside yeah and especially now that there are only five screens open while the renovations are going on instead of 10 i i'm sure they'll wrap up soon though and we'll have all 10 screens back um, They're but... like we got to do it before another movie comes out. This is before the Barbie movie. They need to get it together. <laughs> well, it's yeah, it's just gonna be a, a murder. You know, we're we're nearing the summer onslaught, so I, I imagine the idea was to have all screens in operation before May. Hopefully, <laughs> we'll see. Um, oh yeah, especially because that's when I like you know a good bulk of like movies come out in the summertime. Cause they're like, Hey, you guys have nothing to do. Yeah. It's hot outside. You want to go watch a movie? <laughs> it's already started, you know, with the, 
I mean, I thought that Super Mario Brothers would probably be the highest grossing film of the year, and it's looking like that's well on track. Um, it's already made about $400 million in the U.S. and Canada alone. So pretty insane. Yeah, I think when we did, when we talked about it last week, it was like 300 something. Yeah. Um, and that was just in the U.S., so we'll you know, see. World, we'll see how yeah. big it is. Worldwide, I'm sure it'll cross a bit, uh, two billion easily, which is, um, I mean, near record breaking. I think, like the original Avatar and Endgame, are in the high two billions. Um, so it would have a ways to go to hit that, and then with the summer movies coming out, it might drop off a fair amount. Um, so. We'll see. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull up Super Mario quick and and just see uh, specifically where it's at as of recording. Yeah, I want to say it was the last time I looked. It was like it's still like the number one movie currently too. Okay, so three seventy one um, U.S. and Canada, seven twenty worldwide. So yeah, it's it's a uh, big numbers still. <laughs> uh, hanging around sub billion worldwide, but um well on its way well mandalorian if we want to talk about that uh i did space buns actually so i did space buns unintentionally yeah, yeah. and then i was like oh hey we're doing mandalorian later so it fits <laughs> yeah <laughs> i just didn't feel like watching it so space awesome. buns it was <laughs> i had to i had to watch the finale today so i was like yeah. okay i'm prepared i got out of the shower but i threw on my uh uh mandalorian armor my boba fett sweatshirt here you can but uh yeah when it popped up i was like i'm pretty sure that's I was like, i'm pretty sure that's what that is but i couldn't quite tell yeah so i'm definitely in chilling mode right now um on imdb so it's riveting audio um i uh I can only do so much coffee before it. Uh, I hit my ceiling, and today I'm just not operating on the best sleep situation. Uh, I know excuses, excuses, but uh, I, I had a scare last night. My Bose QC2 headphones, one of them fell in the sink while I was brushing my teeth. Oh, no. And, uh, yeah, and it started emanating this uh, thickening, chirping noise and so i was like oh shoot is this thing is this left earbud dunzo uh and but it, it wasn't in there long i i figured it wouldn't have any permanent damage because it wasn't in sink long while the water was running uh so it dried out just fine and now it works just fine so thank goodness yeah, that's why I like my little head, my little earbud things. They're like the kind that have the ear hook because yeah. one, I they fall on my ear and two, I have tiny ears. So like regular ones hurt my ears. Like I tried to do like mm -hmm. AirPods. Mm -hmm. They hurt my ears. <laughs> so yeah, I'm like, those, just give me the ones that hook. Those don't have a cushion, right? The AirPods or do they? Mm -mm, they okay. don't. And they were not comfortable. Yeah, I don't know how they stay in. These have at least a, a little cushion. You can swap them out depending on the size you need. But, yeah, that's how these are. They have like yeah. tiny and then they have huge. Because I think I got some for my husband too. They don't have the, the ear hook thing, 
but he always has to use like the biggest ones and then i have to use like the baby ones yeah so, i have child size ears <laughs> yeah i got kept up a little bit uh, you know the paranoia over uh potentially having ruined one of my he uh, earbuds uh sort of resulted in a slight lack of sleep um just throw it in a bag of rice do it like we do phones yeah i thought about it yeah. <laughs> well now like so my phone it can technically get wet like you can drop it in water and it will be fine but it's like you have to sit there and wait for the inside to dry out and so anytime you try to plug it in it'll be like nope there's moisture so you can't i have blow dried it like just blow cool air into it and it'll like dry it out quicker <laughs> because i'm like i need to charge my phone it only happens when my phone's almost dead yeah these devices i mean they should only be getting more and more durable um and and in some cases they are like that's been a selling point promoting a lot of popular advertising you see the phones that are uh you know being shown dropped in any number of dire scenarios involving water uh and they, they seem to come out just fine i know that my iphone has been submerged in water and i dropped it in a bathtub once just it was it was in for less than a second but it was all the way in so um it didn't, thankfully didn't suffer any permanent damage the mandalorian season three i'm guessing the the show was the showrunner was John Favreau again. Um, he seems like the the guy who's running the the whole scene. Um, but yeah, so you've seen all of the Mandalorian now, correct? Mm-hmm. All right. And <clears throat> uh, and you kind of binged the latest season over the past few days. How was that? I have. Uh, well, so. I kind of forgot it had even come out because I do like the Mandalorian. I would say out of all the Star Wars stuff that has been out in the last couple of years, the Mandalorian is my favorite. Mm -hmm. I just find it, I don't know, more interesting, I guess. Um, and so I was like, oh, I, I totally forgot about it. And then you're like, oh, let's talk about it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I could do that. I, I have time. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's what I did while I was like folding clothes, <laughs> watching the Mandalorian. But it's just like the show has so much style. Yeah. Like that's one thing that I like about it because I wasn't we watched some of the Boba Fett show and I didn't really like it. it I was kind of bored by it. And mm -hmm. I was just like, meh. Like there was a couple like callbacks to, you know, original Star Wars stuff. And I was like, okay, like, but I got bored. I don't think I watched the last episode. Oh, or I might've watched like a run through of the last couple episodes of Boba Fett show. Yeah. Okay. Like on YouTube. Cause I was like, yeah, I don't really want to watch it. But like the Mandalorian, I started watching it and I was like, Oh, yes, I do enjoy the show, even though there was a few things I'd forgotten. Like, I was like, when the heck did he get Grogu back uh -huh. from Luke Skywalker? So like that, I was like, yeah. when did that happen? <laughs> yeah, it was like a couple of things that I couldn't quite remember, but I was like, I'm not going to rewatch the whole second season, too. Yeah, I, you know, I would implore anyone with the modicum of investment in The Mandalorian to also watch The Book of Boba Fett, because it was basically just a you know, a, a mini season of the Mandalorian, uh, but primarily set around a side character on a specific um, location. Um, the 
It was it was a uh, Robert Rodriguez. It was the showrunner. I I mean I enjoyed it. It was it was kind of slow at points. Um, but Rodriguez is kind of fun. He's um he's kind of a chaotic storyteller. <laughs> um, so he doesn't he doesn't play by any rules. And I kind of just liked how Bo- Boba Fett was allowed to take its time and kind of explore kind of odd areas of the Star Wars universe. Some some odd little corner, and then, of course took a sharp turn, and and just straight up became the Mandalorian for a couple episodes. Yeah, so, I did. So I I saw those episodes because I was like, yeah, what is happening here? They were just like, you know what? I mean, Boba Fett, he's a Mandalorian, so now it's the Mandalorian. <laughs> it's a, a great troll to the uh, non book of Boba Fett watchers <laughs> to just include plot crucial details of the mandalorian in the book of boba fett <laughs> the return yeah, of so if you if you want to yeah. see you want to see uh din be very angry yeah. about not having the baby watch boba fett <laughs> no but go watch i mean if you're if you have disney plus and you're not watching all of the live action star wars shows i i'm just like what are you doing you're wasting your you know your whatever it is 30 dollars a month that it is nowadays but um <laughs> yeah, I want to watch Andor, but again, I haven't gotten around to watching that either. Yeah, no, it's it's good. Um, Mandor from uh, Andor, <laughs> Mandalorian. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm in tough shape. Um, Andor <laughs> was just so scintillating. It was so riveting. I I was completely enraptured every moment of that series. Um, I mean, partly because of my bias towards um, Star Wars, just making me inherently attracted to anything that's, you know, anything that's Star Wars. I mean, there's lots of exceptions. Um, uh, like, I, I'm not up to date on some of the video games and stuff. but uh, and, and, of course, novels, expanded universe. I, I just... I haven't really... There's uh, a lot. <laughs> a lot of content out there. I'll, I'll, I'll pick up some of the uh the tldr on like youtube channels that i follow that address some of the the deeper lore elements and things that you know might be referenced within the live action series uh that originated in some of the ancillary material so i i don't feel like i'm missing out you know if i if i really wanted to experience some of these um side uh exp- uh materials firsthand you know i i would do it i just don't feel that attached to the material in order to to venture out like that and a lot of the ancillary stuff is liable liable to get uh retconned by more um authoritative sources like live action so it's like you're spending all this time i mean reading you probably know get this uh and uh I, it'd be fair to uh, characterize the two of us as maybe having a hard time concentrating, maybe uh, edging on ADHD. Is this an episode of ADHD Anonymous? Uh, <laughs> possibly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so reading, reading has always been kind of a struggle for me. Just the the concentration element. Like I I constantly find myself my mind wandering off while reading so it's always yeah, you have to, like just reread yeah like you gotta reread a paragraph over and over and you're like dang maybe i should just put the book down 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a huge compliment to any book that's able to hold my attention enough for me to finish it. Um, so like like the Harry Potter books when I was a kid, I I breezed through those because like they were interesting enough to hold my attention. I know you you love Harry Potter too, um, yeah. so clearly that wasn't an issue there. Yeah, um, no, I gave I gave Scarlet all my books. I was like, yes, you are now old enough. You yeah. may have the books now. <laughs> But you've probably noticed that things that aren't quite to that standard just totally fall flat. And, and that's oh, I mean, I read I met I read the Twilight books. OK, like, OK, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. When we're talking about standards, I read the Twilight books, not not Harry Potter, well, <laughs> but I was also a teenager. So it was a bit more interesting because I'm like, ooh, vampires and werewolves that are hot. But just be yeah, Twilight, <laughs> I, I could see those being highly entertaining. I've never read them. Um, they're not i'll say they're super not well written Mm -hmm. but as a teenager i was a high schooler when i read those before the movies came out Mm -hmm. and so i was like okay like i mainly read it because i heard they were making a movie so i read all the books and i was like okay like it was fine but the writing's not super great it's not super riveting but it is for like a 15 year old girl so if you're a 15 year old girl (laughs) it's probably yeah an easy read you get through quickly i mean there are plenty of harry potter fans who are only familiar with the franchise through the films um but no it's it's definitely worth the uh investment um if you're someone who's actually willing to open up the book um which is kind of getting harder and harder with all the various media that we have access to nowadays Um, well yeah it's really hard like i will say kids Mm-hmm. getting to read anything in an entire like in, in its entirety mm-hmm. doesn't happen i just don't have like yeah. the time to dedicate like it's easier to do with like tv because i can pause it and pick it right back up or i can multitask i can't do that reading a book i'm like it has to have all of my attention so i haven't read a full book in probably years at this point it, it's frightening i mean <clears throat> i don't care as much for myself because i'm an adult and you know i i'm confident enough in my own reading skill but for kids, uh, you know, there weren't nearly as many distractions, I feel, when I was learning to read as, as kids nowadays. So if if like things like dyslexia have just kind of skyrocketed or similar symptoms, you know, uh, issues surrounding uh, literacy for for kids, um, I I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, especially because nowadays, it's like you, there's so many options to watch. Like mm-hmm. when our internet goes out, you would think that we're in like the dark ages. My kids are like, what do I do? And I'm like, go play yeah. in your room. Like you don't need, you don't need TV on like, I, or you don't need music. You'll be fine. Like just go play. Yeah. And they're like, no, what do I do? Like my daughter likes to read, yeah. but only like certain things. I, yeah. I suppose you're interacting with text quite a bit on the internet. Uh, so I guess that's that one. Too. It's like video games or like watching streaming stuff. Because, like, Homegirl binged Stranger Things all the seasons. Okay. The kids were talking about it in school, and she was like, I have to watch Stranger Things now, and watched it in, like, a week. It was pretty insane. Yeah. All that to say, I I, I have read some uh, Star Wars fiction, but not in a long time. And there came a point where I just kind of hit a wall where it was like, this is just kind of not that well written and boring, because they are mostly, like, pulp novels that you know they're not held to high academic you know they're not literature in the academic sense um but uh, you get like fanfic stuff too with those like novels are some of them like fan fiction type things 
Uh, none of the stuff I read, but like they were all officially published by Lucasfilm. Um, hmm. But since 2012, when um, Disney acquired Lucasfilm, um, all of those previous uh, spinoff novels um, were kind of relegated to a, a tier of non-canon sort of Star Wars Legends material. Uh, and, and so that's provided a basis for like certain elements of the new storytelling post Disney. But um, a lot of that has gotten significantly changed um, and, and probably it's probably good because a lot of that old media, the, the ancillary media didn't cohere all that well, you know, constant contradictions, just kind of weird ways that um, that these different stories clashed with each other, with the the films released prior to the Disney acquisition. Um, so it's kind of nice that that there is more of a clean slate now. Um, but overall, it's like the the only thing that's truly um, regarded in the eyes of like filmmaker level storytellers is the other films or, uh, I, you know, shows like The Mandalorian. I mean, like the animated the, stuff too. animated is supposed to be pretty solid canon. Um, but it's like, how how can you keep track of all this stuff? Like, there is a department at Lucasfilm, um, or you know, that's uh, designed to keep track of of a lot of things that help guide you know new newcomers to the films to sort of make sure they don't um, you know contradict other things. But uh, you know, you don't want to stifle creativity too much. Um, so it's a it's a weird kind of ball of wax trying to the, there's so many filmmakers who love Star Wars and want to tell stories within the universe, but they also, you know, want to have a degree of freedom when they're doing so. So they, they don't want to feel beholden to all the, the lore and sort of the overwhelming nature of, of some of these um, stories that already exist. Um, so it becomes a delicate balance of like trying to um, please fans who kind of have an expectation of the kinds of stories that um, ought to be told within Star Wars um, and delivering, you know, something that's fresh and new and, you know, of the sensibility of the, the artist who's creating it. Um, yeah. I, John Favreau, for example, you know, he's he's kind of not you know he's not a huge star wars nerd he, dave filoni um you know his name right he's kind of the mm -hmm. co-executive producer on this um <clears throat> director of a lot of these he he is much more of a, a star wars lore enthusiast um and he's a big fan of things like tolkien and uh, yeah J.R.R. tolkien and, and myth yeah storytelling you know mythology um so, so he kind of pro provides more of like a spiritual center to the storytelling of Star Wars. Um, well, I mean, it, I feel like it's good that they have like someone like that mm -hmm. because like, like, I know my husband was like hesitant to watch this new season because he was like, 
hopefully it's not just like them doing like fan service to like try to sell like more Grogu like merch. Um, and that's like kind of something he's worried about. Cause he's like, what are they going to do now? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Like you don't know until you watch it, but I guess like with all like the Marvel stuff and like some of the movies that they, they push out nowadays, it's like all about like, what can we merchandise? But then it ended up having like a good story. So we were like, oh, so he was pleasantly surprised that it wasn't just like, hey, you guys want to buy more Baby Yoda stuff? Yeah, but I will still buy it because he's cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all, all this uh, sort of uh, perfunctory preamble to to get to the notion of like how much of just a, a cynical product is <laughs> something like the Mandalorian or some of these, uh, you know, Disney produced uh, Star Wars project, you know, is, but I, I feel like there's a lot of artistic merit to um, the, uh, a lot of the major Star Wars storytelling being um, told uh, like the Bad Badge, like, the Mandalorian Andor, um, because you've got competent storytellers, directors, showrunners, um, alongside people who know Star Wars and kind of know the the ethos and the aesthetics. Um, and and then you've got, you know, the the money, the dollars and cents, the logistics, uh, the production value of a, a major studio to to realize it. And so you combine those three things and you tend to get something that's at least fairly enjoyable to watch but yeah for me like the, the degree of separation in terms of like verisimilitude um my my ability to just feel immersed by the screen was uh exceptional for a show like andor where i thought the writing was exceptional and for the mandalorian it, there there was a little more separation like I could believe that you just stuck a camera right in the events of Andor, and this is exactly how it played out uh, as I'm seeing it unfold on screen. Uh, whereas with Mandalorian, it does feel more staged and more, I don't know, maybe operatic, I guess, more um, uh, exaggerated, I guess. Um, oh, you have to be. Yeah. Like, well, and I, honestly, I feel like they, they get away with it because... Like the the I guess the world that they've built within the Star Wars universe is like like I was like I was like watching it and I'm like just like looking at all the background characters and I was like man this is like you know feels like a real place mm-hmm. with these like all these random alien species and stuff and people just you know hanging out and I was like huh yeah. but of course like if I walked into a room I'd be like none of this is real like what <laughs> is this <laughs> yeah I I still hugely immersive because I that's one of my favorite aspects of Star Wars that's probably a thing that I hit on to an annoying degree in some previous discussions of Star Wars that I had with like my brother, just just the degree of like, there's so much detail. And, and that was really what I think won people over with that first 1977 film, the, the just bizarre commitment to, you know, this, this lived in world that George Lucas had um, you know, bizarre in the sense that that just rarely was done within sci-fi, this, uh, you know, ugly sci-fi, so to speak. Um, and, and it felt real, even though it was so alien and, you know, it was a galaxy far, far away, but he felt like he could reach out and touch it. Um, something like 
uh, you know, I just I love that level of immersion of immersion. Um, you know, so something like Succession on HBO Max, like I feel that's another case where like I'm in the room with these people. Um, these, you know, this isn't, you know, obvious. The, the the scripted nature of this isn't quite so obvious. And a lot of that show, like if you've seen it, there's a lot of improvisation that goes on. These characters are are hyper naturalistic. So, yeah, a lot of intrigue there um, with with the way the events unfold um, and, and like the unpredictability of kind of the maneuverings uh, within the politics of that that family, the Roy's um, and then similar case for like characters in the Mandalorian or in oh my God, in Andor, because it's a lot of spies and a lot of uh, bureaucrats <laughs> who are dealing with um you know this government transition towards a more despotic empire and uh and that's leading to all these you know rebel factions um causing issues so i i just love that that sort of the espionage element um that um yeah the kind of constant um having to be on your toes of uh you know who's aligned with who uh, whereas Mandalorian, it's more of a, a operatic, epic tale of you know romance, romance in sort of the classical sense of literature. Uh, but anyways, well, and then you have to have the action, which mm-hmm. the action shot, the action like moments were fun. I was like, okay, which I did feel like they were gonna try and ship um, Din and Bo-Katan. Which I know, like, they come from different sects of Mandalorian. And I'm pretty sure, like, at least based on the lore, that the sect that Din is from, they don't do that. Yeah, I... Because I was very curious about the guy who had a kid. So I was like, is that, like, his kid or is that an adopted kid? Was he always this part of the Mandalorian or is he like from a different part of Mandalorian and joined up with them? I had so yeah. many questions. So I had to look it up. <laughs> I was yeah. like, can they have kids? I had questions. Yeah, the Mandalorian politics are kind of interesting and sort of interesting in the fact that like, why don't I care about this as much as I should? <laughs> you get that? Yeah. Uh, like are the, because yeah. they're, the reason why Mandalorians are such a big deal, I mean, ultimately, it's this armor that was shown in the sequel to Star Wars, you know, first seen in The Empire Strikes Back, or if you want to go back a little earlier, the um, Star Wars holiday special came out in between Star Wars and The Empire Strikes Back, um, did have an appearance by Boba Fett, you know, wearing this cool armor, uh, but then you see the the film version and, and blew everyone's minds oh this is so cool it's like just like this hyper uh you know like uh stormtrooper essentially this commando armor um this, you know who who, who wouldn't want to see you know a bunch of these guys in action and that's really the the promise that the mandalorian has really lived up to especially in the season finale you, you had that the um jetpack dogfight sequence which to me yeah yeah that was the the pinnacle of like the what i'm sure people were imagining in their heads about seeing boba fett for the first time it's like 
you know, what if we could see just like a, armies of these guys just going at it, you know, brawling midair. And finally we got it. So that was pretty awesome. But the, as far as like their, their civilization, their politics, the, the weird cult stuff, it's just like, I yeah. take your helmets off and get over yourselves. Yeah. They're like, oh yeah, you're, you, you saved my kids. So you can eat by the fire. We're going to all go eat in the dark with our helmets off. It's um, so, so yeah, silly. I had, I looked it up. So I was like, cause I know like Bo-Katan, obviously like clearly she's a different sect of the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And so is Din's and like, apparently like the one that Din is, his is like a bit more, um, I guess, fundamentalist in regards to the Mandalorian like stuff. Mm-hmm. And so they're supposed to be like celibate and like, they don't take off their helmets mm-hmm. and like th- the way you get kids is you adopt orphans basically. And apparently the Mandalorians like Bo-Katan is that they can like, you know, have relationships, take their helmet off. They still wear the armor, but they like can also, you know, have their own kids, but they do still adopt like foundling type Mm. kids too. So it's like, they're supposed to have like, you know, mixed families and stuff like that. And I was like, huh. Cause I was like, how did that guy get a kid? Is it actually his kid or did he adopt it? Is it? I have questions. I had so many questions <laughs> when they, he was like, oh, that was my kid. And I was like, hmm, how? Yeah. I guess. I, we were like, oh, can you like take it off around your spouse? Is that fine? We, we yeah, lots of questions. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are a lot of weird rules that various, you know, religious sects or cults have formed over the years and not taking off a helmet and this helmet has to be you know very sophisticatedly designed so that you know it doesn't just destroy your face while you're wearing it um constantly (laughs) i mean that would cause physiological damage wearing it that much but yeah when i thought that like when they get hit in the face and uh-huh. they have the helmet on. I'm like, so is your face protected or are you just like taking metal to the face? Like I had, I was curious about that. But then I also wondered because some of them, because you know, their armor is like meant to look a certain way, their helmets. I'm like, how much visibility do they have in those helmets? So I'm like, they have like, some yeah. of them have like the tiny little cutout. And I'm like, how can you see? Like there's times where they're walking through the cave and I'm like, I would have taken off my helmet. Cause like, I'm, you're not gonna be able to see. It's already dark. And now you have like this sliver that you can see through. I had a question how well they can see in those helmets. I mean, it's, unless it's, it's like the Iron Man helmet. Then maybe. Such a, yeah, it's such a fair <laughs> question. I think that's the idea. Like we should think of it as like an Iron Man helmet. You know, there's a lot of like heads up display technology that they use. Uh, you know, they they can see all kinds of, you know, technical information um having to do with you know the their field of vision uh so these these are like you know very high-tech computers that they're wearing on their heads presumably um maybe you know, not like, in like dens. an iron man hel- hel- <laughs> maybe not in dens since the armorer like goes into a cave and <laughs> makes one for you <laughs> well she, yeah she pounds out i guess the uh that that could just be like the chassis of the helmet, the uh, you know the structure, the exoskeleton, and then on the inside there's like she has the interface. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like a, a virtual reality kind of headset situation, 
and uh, and cush, you know, so, you know, very elaborate cushioning so that it's comfortable to wear. And then you know, there's the hissing sound that it makes when you put it on. So it's supposedly it's like airtight. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I did notice that when they I think when Mo- oh no spoilers but Moff Gideon like rips off Bo-Katan's thing and it was like yeah. and I was like you can rip off someone else's helmet. I did not realize. Uh, Thought it'd be good on there. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I guess sometimes, you know, people, I think, get squeamish about trying to explain Star Wars technology too much. Uh, Yeah. The storyteller, you know, the writers, like they don't want to get into that too much because it kind of ruins the magic. And also that's not the point of star wars it's not that kind of hard sci-fi where we have to know you know what the the mechanics of all this crazy technology you just have to know that you know what it does essentially what's its purpose um so that's kind of fine that they don't go into too much detail about it but considering that it's this foundational element to this um weird tribe uh people who claim to be the true mandalorians you know the residents of this entire planet it's like how how would an entire population of people be so committed to this one thing which you know the the answer is they're not you know this is just a very extreme group of mandalorians (laughs) um Talk about patriotism. Yeah, there's there's no way you're going to enforce something like, you know, it's like making sure that all priests are celibate. Well, we know that's not the case. So, you know, saying that all uh, Mandalorians have to have their helmets on when they're in the presence of another person, another being, um, you know, you know that there are going to be plenty of people who don't live up to that. Oh, yeah. Well, that's like Din didn't have to run back. And yeah. tell the armorer that he took his helmet off. He could have just yeah. been like, let's keep this a secret between me and you and not told anyone. And I'm like, you're much. I was like, he must, must have one of those like guilty consciences. Because I would have been like, no, I kept it on the whole time. So weird. Who said that? They didn't see me. They yeah. were mistaken. Because how, how would they know who he is? They've never seen his face. Yeah. Well, I, I thought that <laughs> that rule only kind of came about post uh, exile from Mandalore. I, I'm not sure the whole you can't show your face thing existed prior to the, the destruction of Mandalore, or or did it? Well, it, it's just that set. Okay. Yeah, that's what they because that's kind of like when they when all of them are together, all of the different like tribes or sects or whatever. Mm-hmm. They that's why they're like, oh, you guys aren't really Mandalorians. The people who mm-hmm. are from Mandalore, and they're like, well, no, like. They are. They did the same crap. Like they did everything we did. They just live differently. And so, yeah, it's just like that sect specifically. That's like you have to wear your helmet all the time. The Children of the Watch. Yeah. Yeah. Did Well, when when did they get their start? When, when I, they found I, I didn't see I, like because this is when my, my mad search for how do they have yeah. kids? Um, I didn't see exactly like what the lore says on when they started. It's just that, like, oh, they're a different sect that's, like, fundamentalist in regards to that. So they, like, you know, do celibacy. They don't take off their helmets. They only adopt, like, found children kind of thing. Okay. So So I guess it's, like, I guess the other people are a bit more advanced. And they're, like, we can show our face. That's fine. 
Interesting. Well, I'm pulling up Children of the Watch on Wikipedia. I don't know. I'm totally just floundering around on my web browser <laughs> here. It's, you know, <laughs> I'm not all that skilled at multitasking, when it, especially when it comes to these stupid wikia websites the the fandom <laughs> wikia wikis you know the, it was just covered Wikipedia. in links well it, wikipedia but <laughs> the issue is like well and of course i do this fidgety thing where as i'm scrolling i just like to to click and highlight things just uh as a compulsion mm, but if you do yeah. that then it pulls up this stupid dialogue <laughs> where you can accidentally click on or oh, search the wiki for this selection or search all wikis for this selection. And, you know, freaking stupid icons for, oh, Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, settings, uh, when when I do a, a selection. And I, <laughs> what, what just freaking uh, useless to, you know, whatever. I'm not going to, because it's, it's covered in links too, like the hyperlinks yeah. to other. Pages. Oh yeah, you click on anything, and it's like, so, oh, now you're on a different page. Yeah, and tw oh. I'm twitchy enough as it is. So, like, with the <laughs> the amount of links, my my finger is bound to click on one of these accidentally. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's I I looked it up too. So yeah, they were just like you know super orthodox it's religion the way of, of the Man Mandalorians. Yeah. But why? You know, the, and they the had a thing. civil war. So bizarre. Yeah, um, it's like they had a civil war yeah. and got shipped off to the moon. <laughs> yeah. And that's why they didn't Observe get cursed. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, and I've heard people say like, well, good, we want these guys to keep their helmets on because their helmets are cool. <laughs> it's like, okay. I mean, so Bo Patan probably has one of my favorite helmets. Yeah. I'm like, her helmet's so cool and it looks cute. And I'm like, you should wear it more because I like it. However, though, every time she pulled off that helmet and her hair was perfect, I was like, I need some continuity. Your hair should be messed up. You've been wearing a helmet. It Ugh. is perfectly smooth. Lies. <laughs> I've worn it's, a helmet. It'd be yeah. and then messy. <laughs> see, see someone like the writer of Andor, uh, Tony Gilroy. I think he'd see that and be like, "Yeah, her that that doesn't. Yeah, there's no continuity there. Her, you know, if she takes off her helmet, it should look like she's been wearing a helmet. I don't know. That never bothered. Yeah, me. it's like she took it off and it was perfectly smooth. And I, well, I, I, I guess as a chick who's worn a helmet, I'm like, come on, your hair would be messy. It might be matted, especially if you were fighting, especially like in the back. The, yeah, there should be some sign that you've been wearing. <laughs> well, and like um, we've seen that with Din, Jaren, um, his his hair has been kind of matted, but he's usually that that's after he's seen a lot of action. He's all sweaty. So naturally, but there could be something about the way these um just extreme technologically sophisticated uh, helmets are designed that allows them to kind of keep people's hair moisturized and skin you know you don't have to brush your hair exfoliated anything. you know yeah <laughs> uh, so who knows din takes off his helmet and he has a nice baby smooth face <laughs> yeah, self-shaving um well apparently they can take off their helmets to shave and eat and also I'm, sleep. Yeah, I mean, but the, not if there's people around. <laughs> yeah, the the language that they use implies that they aren't allowed to take it off ever 
but of course they do in order to eat and to bathe. Um, So it's kind of funny. I I love, I kind of love that subtlety of like, you know, it's, it's something that sounds very draconian and absolutist, but the, the, you know, underlying assumption is that no, it's, we, we just phrase it like that because we're very committed, but obviously we don't expect people to fully live up to this thing. Um, but then why, you know, why phrase it in such a, a, a rigid way and, and so you think religion serious. <laughs> yeah. Um, scripture is like that too, like religious text, you know, it within, you know, major human religions, um, they're, points within the text that don't seem to leave any room for ambiguity when really you know what the scholars were intending was you know we just are very serious about this thing we don't mean that you know (laughs) there are zero exceptions to this thing i mean the closest the bible comes in my opinion like you know, the you have the Ten Commandments, which are these more categorical proclamations of edicts um, within that text compared to a lot of other things that I think people will cite to erroneously or, you know, point to erroneously. They will cite as these absolutist edicts that weren't meant as such. They were more a matter of pragmatism, practicality, uh, you know, contextual within the culture that was practicing these certain other things. Does, does that make sense? Like the, the things that yeah. aren't, yeah, as as thoroughly codified within something like the Ten Commandments or maybe a few other areas within. Well, I would say it may, like, yeah. I, I think that like comparison makes a lot of sense because that's mm-hmm. kind of like what that sect of the Mandalorians are like, because they're like, oh, you have to live exactly by what the ancient way was and what they mm-hmm. said. And I mean, there are sects of like Christianity that take everything in the Bible is like, this is a hundred percent true. Everything you should follow. Not like, Oh, you know, this was written a really long time ago. It's more of like allegory. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, no, it's exactly what they said. Yeah. Not thinking, you know, we'd ever evolve or change. And so yeah. I, like, I could very much see it being like, Oh yeah, there are sect that takes the text very, very seriously. So, but if, I, like, if I think you're, it's a good comparison. Yeah, if you were truly serious in your scholarship, you would you would know the context of of each of the scriptures you were referencing, and you yeah. would know you know there are certain ones you know this is you know this is meant to be sort of a fundamental piece of our humanity versus the others that were you know this is this is to differentiate us in this time and place from the other tribes, you know, but it's not necessarily this global absolute. Um, but, you know, people like to to wield certain authority over, over others, um, just kind of promote their own status. And, uh, and, and often that devolves into, you know, uh, none for thee, but, you know, fine for me. <laughs> it's basically just, uh, you know, the empire versus... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the bad guys and the good guys. Yeah, the empire all about um, you know growing their power, and then the people who are attracted to that ideology, you know, they will uh, espouse things like justice and order, and uh, you know, a firm rule of law. Uh, but 
because they are ideologically aligned with this imperialistic dogma that their hearts are only um, set on things like gaining power and maneuvering and, and backstabbing. And so that that that's ultimately, I think, what what you know made the empire such an inefficient and uh, ultimately doomed uh, regime. Um, so the fact that yeah, it it uh, it did not promote harmony in any way amongst its uh, ranks. Well, I mean, yeah, and or, or, hmm, I'm trying to avoid spoilers, but it's kind of like you see that you know, kind of near the end, where it's like, is it really as harmonious as they think it is, or is there just you know things in the background that the, are, uh, are moving around? <laughs> the Mandalorians uh, harmonious or the no, um, New Republic? I mean, like the New Republic, yeah, yeah, and all the people who have, uh, you know, been reintegrated into society, who were part of, mm-hmm. you know, the Empire and all that. And I was yeah. like, it, at the end, they had that one scene, and I was like, oh, oh, so it isn't as harmonious as everyone thinks it is. There were, yeah, the various moments of seeing, you know, peeling back the curtain on the new republic bureaucracy and naturally it's not going to be all that dissimilar to imperial bureaucracy yeah (laughs) Uh, but at least there there is less of that overt you know commitment to this um you know imperialism this oppression you know that uh that the empire represented mostly i mean ultimately because it was led by a sith lord (laughs) um yeah (laughs) but but yeah the the new republic you know just some of the rank and file of the bureaucracy yeah there's going to be a a lot of the same kind of bloat and uh inefficiency and corruption so to speak yeah and well i'm sure because i've already read that the next season's already written um, I'm sure they'll go into that a bit more in the next season because obviously there's like, you know, corruption brewing, mm-hmm. um, you know, in and around the things that they're trying to do currently, which, which I knew that girl, the chick who had yeah. been under Moff, Moff Gideon, mm-hmm. Moff, I keep wanting to say Moff, Moff <laughs> Gideon, um, in the last season, they showed her and she's like, oh, yeah, I've been reintegrated. I'm a good person. And I was like, she's a bad guy. Bad okay. guy. I called it immediately. I was like, she's a bad guy. She's not a good person. She's bad. You know what? She ended up being a bad guy. <laughs> I was right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah she just gave me she, bad guy vibes. I don't trust she her. Was, uh, yeah, she was enabled by a lot of hapless New Republic uh, bureaucrats as well, you know, that, that probably weren't doing their job as well as they should. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like, oh, they think she's good, but no, yeah. she's bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I enjoy a lot, you know, that whole episode of, um, you know, you, you're on Coruscant, you're getting to know this new regime, the, the new Republic post empire. And uh, I, I found that really fascinating. I mean, I could watch, you know, Andor is very similar in, in the sort of subject matter that it covers, hmm. um, you know, yeah, a lot of the, the bureauc- uh, bureaucratic maneuverings. Um, and I mean, there's less emphasis on action, but still plenty of great action in that show. And, and it's there's a lot of, you know, just stunning 
visual, uh, I guess, uh, artistry in that show as well, because it was all done like on locations and real sets. Um, I mean, that I'm, I don't, I don't have anything against using like the, the volume technology, the, uh, the stagecraft um, like screens that, that they use in some of these shows that, uh, you know, do the virtual backgrounds and stuff. I, I think that's a cool technology, but uh, it's always nice when you can go, uh, you spend a little extra on, on real sets. <laughs> I think it gives like, you know, that extra like layer of like realism yeah because sometimes you can tell you're like i know that they're like this is like half of a set they're not really like in the desert somewhere <laughs> riding around you know on their little hover bikes mm-hmm. whatever they ride around on so i'm like yeah like or i guess they call them like skiffs but yeah well, i'm like i i like when you yeah. can tell that they're like you know in a place that is like interactive because it's a real set yeah yeah i i don't know so you you didn't watch all of book of boba fett I didn't watch all of it. Well, so I watched like most of it. And then I think like the last episode or two, I watched yeah. like a, a video on YouTube that kind of like, you know, too long, didn't read, gave yeah. it to me. So it like shows bits and parts. <laughs> There's some good hover bike action. And by good, I mean like, you know, kind of sad, but it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're well, yeah, like, they yeah. used them a lot. I mean, they, yeah. they also kind of use like the little hover skiff things a lot in I want to say they used him in the last season of Mandalorian a little bit, but they did use it a lot in Boba Fett because that's when he like, there's a couple times where he, you know, he gets his stuff taken. And yeah. You mean like skiff things? Well, there's the jetpacks. Are you, you're not talking about that, are you? No, um, no. They're like, they're like the, the little hover bikes. They, well, they, I call oh. them a bike. They're, but they call them skiffs in the show. Well, yeah. Um, uh, you see them okay. using them outside of like Navarro. And yeah. then you also saw them in Boba Fett because, you know, they're traveling through the desert. So they have like the little skiff bike things. Yeah, I didn't notice their use as much in this season. Um, but oh no, I didn't. Actually... I didn't see them at all. Oh, okay. In this season, I think that I saw it in the last season. Yeah, but I could be wrong. No, but I... also I did. They were very much used in Boba Fett, though, for sure. Yeah, I mean, so much of Star Wars. I mean, if you're not careful, it, it does kind of just become a vehicle for showing off, you know, cool tech, <laughs> a vehicle for vehicles uh and uh and weapons and i mean getting sucked in by kind of just the uh window dressing of it rather than the story and and i mean yeah um, well that's like the dark saber they're like oh, oh yeah. the dark saber the dark saber dark saber and then at the end it gets crushed and i was like oh that's it thought it was supposed to be like the best thing ever it'll have to be bad i mean i, I don't know they, how that works they, they're but... gonna have to fix it i don't know what they're gonna do but like it was like such a big thing and such a part of like their like history and they're like meh it's broken we don't need it anymore yeah so i <laughs> i was under the assumption it was basically a lightsaber just looked a little different and yeah, lightsabers like, just dark yeah lightsabers use crystals so i presume there's a crystal that's in in that thing somewhere in the dark so if, if you can pull that out and build a new housing uh, this is where the dark crystal merges with star wars yeah they're the same universe <laughs> but even still i guess the tech for building a dark saber was sort of lost and and only one i mean it's possible that um 
no, n- not many ever attempted to build a dark saber just because it was maybe associated with like dark side use. Um, it it kind of looks like a Sith weapon, <laughs> uh, so yeah. the Jedi Jedi avoided it. Um, but it was built by a, a Mandalorian Jedi, supposedly, not supposedly, but um, you know, uh, yeah, it's it, you know, not not a lot of Jedi, um, you know, were. I don't think Mandalorian because I think Mandalorians were historically um, kind of adversaries of the Jedi. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> thanks for chatting about Mandalorian. Uh, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and uh, oh, we have to yeah. talk about the cameos. There's so many cameos in this well, season. This yeah, the same that we we mentioned on the Super Mario episode, Jack Black, Lizzo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lizzo. What are some others? There's Christopher Lloyd. Was in it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Ahmed Best was in it. He was Jar Jar Binks. Mm-hmm. That's a sh- um, his face. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like oh, I saw him and I was like, it took me a second because I was like, oh no, I was like this guy. He was in the other Star Wars movies, mm-hmm. and my husband was like, who was he? I don't remember this guy. And I was like, oh, like, he was an alien. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was Jar Jar Binks. Um, which I guess, like you know, I guess some people like, I guess. You either love Jar Jar Binks or you hate Jar Jar Binks. I feel like is usually like you love or hate him. That that mm-hmm. is my general consensus that I get from people. Yeah, and I so mean, I don't... some people saw this as like a redemption yeah. for him to be, you know, a different character. <laughs> I don't love him. It, I think the the weird thing is like he he did not have the desired effect that Lucas yeah. was going for. Like he wanted him to be this, you know, beloved, you know, lovable comedic character this comic relief whereas he really you know what does jar jar do that's truly like authentically funny i mean he has some some fun sight gags and some pratfalls but like it's not really amusing yeah it doesn't really work uh but but whatever he's a weird alien and and star wars should have weird aliens so that's fine yeah there's weird people weird aliens they exist everywhere it's a big galaxy Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he was in it. I was trying to think if there was anyone else that I can remember off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, That's all I can remember for now. Gosh. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's some kind of neat um, inclusions of characters that originated in, in some beloved pieces of expanded universe material. Um, I guess not necessarily introduced for the first time on... Uh, I, I guess... In live action, sure, like the this uh, Admiral Palayan or whatever, however, whatever his rank is at this time. <laughs> but the the guy who's like ushering in the return of Grand Admiral Thrawn, uh, the yeah. the blue Imperial officer, um, his chief, um, you know, lieutenant, this Palayan guy, he um, made an appearance. Uh, and then some other Imperial officers. Oh, yeah, the um, Dom- Donald Gleason's father, Donald Gleason's character Hux from the sequel trilogy, his father appeared, um, played by, I think, the actor's brother, maybe. It was another Gleason mm-hmm. playing the father. So, well, there's something like that. Jack Gleason. There's a there? bunch of Gleasons. There's a bunch of them. That's what I'm like. I think there's a Jack, if I remember correctly. Well, um, and then yeah. we also saw the space whales. They're like the space right. whale squid things. They're the pergils from the Clone Wars. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. The show. Yeah. 
Uh, you saw that because I was like, I, I didn't realize that space whale was like a trope, like a TV trope now, but apparently it is. <laughs> um, so that's like the Star Wars variation of the space whale trope. <laughs> I, I like the space whales. I like the connection between like hyperspace and the force and, you know, how it's it's sort of a transcendent aspect of this galaxy of the of reality like you know like uh the um the ether you know you you're tapping into this uh extra dimensional reality you know when you're tapping into the force and you have to take advantage of that sort of concept when you're breaking sort of the laws of physics going faster than the speed of light, which is necessary for interstellar travel. Um, so if you're oh, yeah. able to, yeah. Well, they, they were like, oh yeah, it's kind of like, you know, a nod to the next show that's coming out for um, Asuka. Asuka. Oh yeah, Ahsoka. Yeah, the, the space whales. Ahsoka. I'm always like, I want to say it like how like a Japanese person would say it <laughs> with that pronunciation, but I'm always like, I'm saying it wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the space Ahsoka. whales. Uh, you know, were connected to this, you know, force sensitive dude, Ezra, who um, caused them to kind of take um, Grand Admiral Thrawn and his fleet, send them their, into their take their ships out. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Uh, but that they have tentacles. In, yeah. But then they got <laughs> lost in the unknown regions of space. So. Uh, now they're only just returning in live action. Um, so looking forward to that. But yeah, like the the whole idea of like Dune, where in order to navigate interstellar space through um, you know faster than light travel, you you have these uh, navigators who have to take the they have to go on a, a mind trip in order to navigate the ships. Yeah, that was uh, uh spice. I, yeah, I watched that when it came out and I was I'm ready for the next one, but I was like this is interesting. I I've, I've seen like, you know, the 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 way way back. I've seen bits and pieces of that one and that one's even okay. more interesting. But <laughs> What's what's the way way back? The original Dune movie? Oh, oh, okay, the sure. The original. Yeah, yeah that one. Mm -hmm. uh, interesting. It was the time the, the time, the acting of the time. I was like, this makes sense, I guess. <laughs> but <laughs> I will say I liked the new one a lot more. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see the next one. But yeah, yeah. some wild stuff. Uh, it was a weird time making movies back then. <laughs> well, yeah. The, yeah uh, there's like one more thing, but I can't remember what it was anymore. I'm, I'm just looking at the cast now, but uh, there are so many actors who have only done one episode or two episodes that it's just a complete quagmire um yeah there is like a ton of people because i was trying to figure out who oh, played well, elia kane who, who was the the girl that i said was a bad guy and it took me a katie, while to find her katie o'brien uh tim yeah. meadows tim meadows was a new republic guy um jason sudeck well that was in in uh, the first season um Sudeikis was a scout trooper. Uh, Xander Berkeley is an actor. Has been a lot of stuff. He was uh, Admiral Palan. And uh, I was trying to find. Okay, Brian Gleason was Brendel Hux. Hmm. Brian Gleason, probably brother to Donald Gleason, um, and son of 
Brendan Gleason. Uh, parents, let's see. Yeah, <laughs> relatives, uh, brother of Donald Gleason. Yeah. Uh, of course, can't have normal spellings <laughs> with uh, with some of these Irish folks. So, you know, Donald Gleason. I, it's pronounced like Donald, but it's spelled D O M H N A L L. <laughs> oh. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's a couple extra letters. It's the that Celtic spelling, and then uh, Brian. I think originally it's. On his birth certificate, um, I believe it is spelled B R I A I N. So I A I N. That's that's great. I love it. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Well, that's I actually knew a guy like that. His name was Ryan, but it was spelled like R Y A A N. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, your your name is Ryan. <laughs> yeah. That's that's in his list of alternative names. So on his main IMDb page, it's just spelled Brian the normal way. Um, yeah, I, I was seen, looking. Yeah, <clears throat> oh, yeah, I was looking at um, you know, just stuff about it, and I I didn't realize that Bryce Dallas Howard directed one of the episodes. Yeah, um, this season she she directed. did Guns for Hire. Yep, um, but she's done at least one other. I think she did at least one per season so far. Yeah, I've seen her name before because she also did one for uh, Black Mirror. So she's been, you know, okay. yeah, dabbling more into the directing space than the acting. Totally. Yeah. Honestly, though, the so the actress who does Bo-Katan, mm-hmm. she's naturally a blonde, but when she has the red wig, mm-hmm. I was say, I was saying to my husband, I was like, look, she could be related. She could be um, Jessica Chastain and Bryce Dallas Howard. She could be them. Like mm-hmm. that, she looks like them a lot to me. And, you know, those two, even though Bryce Dallas Howard and Jessica Chastain don't look that much alike, they're like close enough looking that I'm like, you guys are very similar looking. But so I was looking at her, so I had to look her up and I've actually seen her in other stuff, but she's blonde and looks completely different. I was like, that's really weird. It's weird how much like, you know, just a hairstyle and a hair color can change how you look. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, uh, see Bryce Dallas Howard's done three episodes, um, so this this whole breakdown. Rick Famuyiwa has done the most as a director, um, six episodes. Uh, Dave Filoni has directed three. Deborah Chow directed two. Carl Weathers directed two. Peyton Reed directed two, and then a bunch of one-offs. Um, yeah, I think. Uh, let's see. There's not too much else to say. Katie Sackoff is Bo-Katan. Um, kind of interesting to see. Her rise to prominence within live-action Star Wars, a character that originated in animation, um, and also played by Katie Sackhoff in animation too. So a cool connection yeah. there. So like, yeah. we'll just bring her, bring her in. Yeah, that's actually not been all that common among the characters who have graduated from animation to live-action. Um, Ahsoka Tano was a different actor on. The Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. Um, we'll be seeing um, Rosario Hera. Dawson. I would say Rosario Dawson played her in the movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, excellent choice to play uh, Ahsoka Rosario. I, lo- I love Rosario. Does a great job. Uh, and then um, got Mary Elizabeth Winstead appearing as Hera in the series Ahsoka. Uh, she's mm. um, 
Well, uh, yeah, that character, Hera, she's a Twi'lek, Twi'lek, uh, green skin, head tail alien. Um, so it'll be cool to see that realized in live action, but um, different actor, different actress in the um, st- series Star Wars Rebels. Uh, different actress as um, the the character Sabine, Sabine, um, and then Ezra. Yeah, so I mean, the only uh, time it's been the same actor um, for the most part uh, is is when it's like a voice, uh, like uh, there was a guy Seb um, who appeared in one scene in Mandalorian season three. He's a character from Star Wars Rebels, kind of this uh, neat-looking alien. Um, it's based on an early design for Chewbacca. It's like a reptilian ape-looking guy, um, but voiced by Steve Bloom. Um, but he, yeah, he was a pilot um, in in that tavern, you know, the the pilot's bar. Yeah, yeah. So is that when he, the big guy? He walks up and he's yeah. like, oh, yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, Steve Bloom, my. Uh, my friend Steve Bloom, who I met at a film screening one time. I was going to mention, oh, Thrawn. Yeah, Grand Admiral Thrawn. I think he's going to be played by the same actor who voiced him in Star Wars Rebels. Hmm. Yeah, I was looking up stuff about him earlier because I was like, are, is, are they going to make an appearance? Mm, yeah, so I was trying to Ahsoka. see if they had like actually like if they had been casted like for real for real yet. Yeah. I'm just going to pull up oh, Ahsoka Lars here. Lars Mickelson? Yes. Is he related to the other? Mick- oh, he is. He is the yes. brother of Mads Mickelson. Okay, that makes sense. I was like, <laughs> well, I saw his face first, and I was like, man, he looks like Mads Mickelson. And then I was like, well, that makes sense. They are related. Yeah. How interesting. Cool. How weird. That It's weird because they like look the same, but they don't. Mm-hmm. They do and they don't. Okay. Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's uh she's married to Ewan McGregor. You knew that. Yeah, I think there was some drama there <laughs> when they got together. Yeah, there was some there was some drama. I actually like vaguely remember that. Yeah. Um, there was some drama because I want to say when they met, he was married to someone else. Um, <laughs> yeah, they they were in Fargo together. So. Yeah, <laughs> I want to say he was married to someone else, and then he wasn't, and then they were together immediately. So there was some drama there, because I think she was married to someone else, or was with someone else. She might not have been married, mm-hmm. but I do think she's actually reprising her role. Um, God, that was her, right? The in Scott Pilgrim. Oh, yep, uh, yep. That's yeah, her. she is. Yeah, she is um, reprising her role in Scott Pilgrim, the new Scott Pilgrim. I think they're doing a series. Okay. I had no I idea. think they, they said all the actors who were in the movie are actually coming back for the series. Okay. Untitled Which, Scott I liked that Pilgrim. Movie. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I liked that movie. So I was like, oh, yes. I think it's going to be kind of a different story because it's based off of like the stories that guy did mm-hmm. with Scott Pilgrim. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not going to be because I was like, how are you going to? I'm like, because they're, you know, older now. That movie came out when? So uh, I've never seen 2010? it. Twenty ten. It was a while back. And what? The, I'm seeing here. It's an anime series, upcoming. Oh, is Scott it? Pilgrim anime series. Yeah. So it might oh. just be a voice. Yeah. Oh, maybe it is. I mean, that would make sense because I'm like, how are you gonna? That was 2010, and it's 2023. 
they do not look like teenagers anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, they probably weren't even teenagers then, honestly, but they were playing them um, or young adults. But yeah, she- okay. I didn't know it was animated, but I did hear that they're all coming back for it. Um, and she was back in that movie Sky High. That was the first time I think I, I saw her. Sky High. Yeah. Back in the day. She was also in The Thing. Okay. Yeah, she was like the uh, the only chick at the the space base, not space base. They were in a, like Antarctica or Alaska or somewhere, somewhere snowy. Yeah, live free or die hard. She played uh, John McClane's daughter, and Ten Cloverfield Lane was really good. I uh, I had a fun time seeing that. That was an interesting movie. Mm-hmm. I was like, what is what is happening? Oh, I guess <laughs> she was in Final Destination three. I forgot about that. Yeah. Honestly, after they did like, you know, Final Destination 8, I was like, I'm not watching. I didn't watch past like five. So I'm not doing mm-hmm. this anymore. She was in uh, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. <laughs> she was Mrs. Lincoln. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what else? Uh, so we'll probably wrap this up here. I had maybe a couple other things I want to talk about. But uh, yeah, Mario uh, box office and uh, yeah. No, I think... Uh, I think they're pretty much good. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, Grogu is very cute. Yeah. I like, I, which I know, like, some of the, the things they do are just, like, nods because they know people want to see Grogu. And I'm like, I'm here for Grogu being cute. <laughs> like, when he tries to get, he tries to hug the mechanic, the little mechanic alien. And he's like, no, he's not a pet. And he's like, eh, it's fine. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh, he's so cute. But also, yeah. his force powers were much better. He, he. Uh, clearly got some skills he's built yeah. up some skills i mean i hope yeah he develops i mean he's clearly developing a much greater sense of agency now um he's more mobile uh more adept yeah, in the little, force yeah. his little droid i like that the droid said no he'd be like no <laughs> no no and i was like this is my uh, favorite part I yeah, that was fun. So it, was a, it was a little cartoonish, but it was it, it definitely is. That's why I'm like, when they have those little moments, I'm like, this is because they know this is what people want. And I, I'm one of those people. I do want that. <laughs> I do want the cute moments with the cute alien. All right. I'm well, a sucker. I, I want verisimilitude. I, I can't handle uh, ludonarrative dissonance within my, you know, <laughs> things that take me out of the reality of Star Ludo narrative distance. I was, I was maybe gonna bring that up. Do you are you familiar with the concept? I'm um, not sure. It's, it's a thing. That, <laughs> I, I know what cognitive dissonance is, but I don't yeah, know if that's the same thing. <laughs> this is like that, but within video games, particularly, um, mm-hmm. the idea that you know the mechanics of a lot of video games involve just like uh, unleashing hell upon hordes of enemies, <laughs> and uh, you know. You're you're basically annihilating constant waves of, uh, you know, NPCs when you're playing a typical action game. But oftentimes you're playing a character that's supposed to be heroic or someone who's of noble character. Uh, and so, you know, essentially killing a whole bunch of people would seem to go against that person's character or at least... It's kind of unrealistic that you're this one man army being able to take out hordes and hordes of, <laughs> of enemies the way you you do in video games. So so that, yeah. that's just, you know, people, it became sort of a, a meme, you know, 10 years or so back 
you know, Nathan Drake, for example, it's it's the the Uncharted games are so like story driven and cinematic. And you play as this one guy who's like a modern day Indiana Jones and he uh, goes around with a pin, uh, pistol, but he also, you know, he's an architect or an archaeologist and a thief. Yeah, he, uh, he's searching for artifacts. Um, you know, he's um, you know, is he taking... like Guy Laura Croft? Because that's what Make, it yeah, like. male. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say I've played the first one when it yeah. came out uh, with the PS4. So that's what I was, I was like. He's basically just Guy Laura Croft. <laughs> Dude Raider, exactly. Yeah, but so most of his you know video game scenarios involve him uh, running afoul of some crime syndicate who's also after the treasure he's after. So, you know, in between sketching clues into his handy dandy journal, you know, he's whipping his pistol out and just mowing down wave after wave of goons. <laughs> and yeah, uh, that's how, uh, that's how Hogwarts legacy is kind yeah. of, cause you're like, you're like fighting these, you know, they're bad wizard. They're the bad mm -hmm. wizards, there's dark ones, like death eaters and stuff and poachers. And so you have, you know, it's one student, they are a student and you're just taking people out. And then you're like, ah, uh, yeah, that no more poachers. I did so good. And I'm like, man, you just straight killing cursed all these people. <laughs> like you, you are a yeah. hero, 50 points to Gryffindor. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, it's basically like that or like any Assassin's Creed game. Yeah. You just kill a bunch of people and you're like, I took back London. You guys are welcome. <laughs> And I mean, <laughs> you can excuse all that because first and foremost, these are video games. You know, you you got to have something for the player to do. Uh, it's it's like a puzzle or, you know, just a fun activity to try to challenge yourself uh, to do these things. And then the story is secondary. Uh, but I the same kind of thing sort of pings in my mind sometimes when I'm watching uh, a film or a TV show. And I think they're there shouldn't be an expectation of a total lack of you know cognitive separation between the viewer and the the piece of media you're consuming no matter what medium it is because yes these are scripted um subjects these are um you know there's something that are staged inherently so like there is a certain rhythm and cadence to a film or a TV series, you know, that's different from a novel or a play. So you, you just accept kind of the rules of the medium that you're in. Uh, there's a, there's an inherent buy-in that allows you to uh, maintain that suspension of disbelief, no matter what medium you're consuming. Um, but there are certain things that really like allow uh, that that really sort of um, minimize that disconnect, as I had mentioned earlier. That, you know, for me, things like you know, succession really works for me on that level. Just like putting you there with the characters, or uh, Andor, um, and and other things that is another thing that can kind of help me get sucked into the world is like cool mythological elements that make me just. You know, make me want to live in this sort of magical realm. Sometimes, you know, Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, Harry Potter. Uh, so, um, there's different ways that um, that stories can more effectively bridge that gap for me. But when it comes to Mandalorian, little moments like, well, how do the helmets work? Or 
you know, how <laughs> how is Grogu able to control this robot exoskeleton as well as he does? Like they, they sort of ping that sort of dissonance for me, unfortunately. <laughs> Just They're the like, you don't need bit. to know. He is cute. You need to know nothing. But also, I want to know if the Mythosaur is going to be in the next season. I have questions. I had questions about that. Because he went in the water. Well, he went in the water and then like shot directly down. Oh, that was weird. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, why did did that happen? Goes all the way down. Yeah, I was like, what happened? Was it just like, hmm, (laughs) got your feet. I was was like, why did he fall? I'm so confused. Did he not expect a drop? It's the, the creature from the trash compactor in the original Star Wars grabbed him. The Dianoga you know, yeah. that, that sucks Luke like... down. <laughs> but, but, yeah, but that happened. And I was like, what is happening here? If it was the mythosaur that grabbed him, it would have had to grab him just with his tiniest like fingertips. He just used his nails. He's like, mm, fingernails. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> what are you doing in here? I haven't seen someone in ages. Boop. Yeah, I, mean, I, I was very confused at why he fell like that. And like, was he just overwhelmed and fainted? <laughs> it's it's like, a big, that was an interesting yeah. moment to me. I was like, why? Because like, yeah, there's a drop, but like, in water, you would not fall that quickly, and like mm-hmm. get, get knocked out. Yeah, the armor is heavy, You're... but if yeah. it were that heavy, he wouldn't be able to walk in it. Yeah, like I'm like we're a bit more like buoyant than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that part I was interested in, but I did read that apparently, I get like what i guess the lore is that mandalorians rode mythosaurs mm-hmm. but how because that thing was big it looked big it's yeah it's some of these <laughs> just larger than life mythological hyperbolic scenarios i mean you you read these kinds of things all the time in like ancient mythology and you know gods who you know sprout other gods from their orifices and uh <laughs> You know, the, you have titans who are the size of, you know, continents uh, battling other gods whose chariots are, you know, on the backs of rainbows or suns, right? You know, the Helios is the, the sun god who yeah. transports the sun across the sky in his chair. It's like all these, none of these things make any sense if you like try to visualize them literally. So, yeah, I was like, I was like, yeah. they couldn't even take out that huge alligator thing at the <laughs> beginning, and I'm like, how do how do they take how are they riding the mythosaurs? But but they they'll find a way, and I guess yeah, it's they'll like make it work. Is they're just the, a tiny little speck on the back of this giant mythosaur, and uh, just hold on for dear life, kind of like <laughs> it's it's the the premise of Strange World. They actually just start to live on them. Yeah, they, <laughs> the, the giant... they just live on the instead. Yeah, the, well, there are a couple. Dra- There's the one dragon. Um, I can't. I, God help me if I can pull any of the names from House of the Dragon. But th- that largest dragon was like the size of a, a of a cruise ship. So it didn't really, you know, it's kind of odd that that a human could even venture to. To mount that thing and, and ride it like they do but they they pull it off somehow <laughs> they, they, they make it work yeah well it's not like avatar where like the dragon like the little dragon things are like small enough to ride actually yeah as an I mean, avatar that makes, thing that makes a lot more sense yeah yeah because i'm like, like that makes sense because they're like just as big as them the like, they're like way big i'm like how are you doing this <laughs> yeah <laughs> see we have questions questions 
answer our questions, Lucasfilm. <laughs> people get paid the the big bucks to answer. Yeah, this is. Uh, I expect no, to see that in season four. <laughs> oh, I, I love talking about this. I mean, I I can't imagine it's these kinds of discussions are for everyone, but it's partly why I listen to podcasts. So at least I get to air out my own grievances uh, with your help, Bridget. So thank you. Uh, very yeah. much. Th thanks um, for letting me talk about it because <laughs> I'm half of my friends are like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, we, I need to discuss this right now. <laughs> uh, it's so weird. Yeah. The parasocial parasocial dynamic of listening to uh, a bunch of people who talk about the kinds of things that you would talk about if it didn't make you seem like a total space alien uh, to most people. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I am friends with these people now and they don't even know me, but we're friends. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a, a large enough contingent of people online that you can seek out who have the same questions and the same interests enough to, uh, to build a, a podcast or a YouTube channel around. And, uh, and it's fascinating. And you know, it's, Oh gosh. It's, it's the modern, millennial it's the social dilemma all over of uh, the the parasocial um speaking of renfield the the uh the codependent <laughs> the codependencies the parasocial codependencies that we form i feel like i need to go to Al-Anon just to uh to talk about all the content creators that uh, upset me on a periodic basis <laughs> you know it's like uh, my imaginary friend is actually not imaginary they just don't know i exist but we're friends that, I have that, a couple yeah. that I'm like, we're so close. They've never, they, they don't know I exist, but I love e them. <laughs> Everyone who's ever listened to a podcast should be at an Al-Anon meeting. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I have a codependency with the girls from Morbid. They don't know that, but I listen to them a lot. <laughs> yeah. no, it's like, it's... you know them almost. That's what it feels like. It's like, you feel like you know them, but you're like, I don't, yeah. I probably don't even remember. I don't know which one's speaking. I know what they look like. I don't know which one's speaking. So I'm like, probably not. <laughs> I, it, you don't have to answer this, but ha have you ever been to like a group thing like that? I I, uh -uh, I no. would admit to it, but I don't think I ever have. And mm. I, I probably I don't know should if that's have. Like, yeah. I imagine like I do know people who had to go to like AA meetings and stuff yeah. because they got in trouble for doing bad things uh, <laughs> like silly stuff, you know, like getting caught drinking and driving and you have to yeah. go do things like that. And so. Like, like I have friends that have done it and they're like, yeah, if you're not like actually like if you're like, you know, mandated to do it versus like going because you have a problem, they're like, it can be really weird sometimes depending on why you're going. But I don't know anyone who does like I don't know anyone that's done uh, anything outside of that, though. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if that's like something you can like go find easily. Mm -hmm. Can I just like look it up? Al-Anon groups in my area. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. I'm sure there's some kind of network out there for it. Yeah, and there, there's some that have different names and all different kinds of purposes. Yeah, um, like I know that there's like, like, I know, so my husband is a veteran. And so mm -hmm. they actually have like group therapies that you can go to. And he's like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, can I just talk to a regular therapist? Mm -hmm. <laughs> he's like, I don't want to do group therapy. I don't want to talk to other people about it. <laughs> I guess that's, yeah, the, the advantage is, you know, finding a therapist can be hard and expensive a lot of times. So. Yeah, I do therapies. think that they're like free, but yeah, you're like talking to other people, I guess, with like, you know, similar issues or whatever you're going for. Yeah. I mean, that's why I wanted to bring up Dax Shepard, uh, just briefly. Like, he had an interesting thing I heard him say today. Like, he was building up 
so much anticipation for this interview he had with his all-time hero, David Letterman, of all people. He uh, And of course, it makes sense for someone who does a similar format show to David Letterman, just in long form being a podcast versus Letterman's very short form late night talk show. Uh, but, um, you know, his building up in his mind of this interview, you know, led to some sort of like uh, addictive triggers, you know, that he's experienced that, you know, have led him to, you know, need to be an AA and and do a lot of that. I shouldn't be talking about this, of course, it's, uh, but but, you know, he's he's open about it. So I I, uh, I feel comfortable, you know, discussing it. But like, yes, that that feeling of um, anticipation for something and then now you've done it and it's like the, the now what after the after you've accomplished this goal and are wanting a sense of elation or a sense of like yeah completion you know what what's the, there there should be a feeling of reward and sometimes there just there isn't that um yeah i don't know yeah you like you need the dopamine hit yeah if the dopamine hit doesn't hit right you need more dopamine <laughs> Yeah, what do you do? I, I feel like a lot of people feel the same way about um, pop culture. <laughs> I honestly, like, I can definitely feel that because, like, I mean, I already have low dopamine already as it is. Uh-huh. So, like, you know, meds up with that. But there is a lot of times that, like, I watch stuff and I'm like, wow, that was really underwhelming. And I'm like, is yeah. it me or is it, like, the media? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, am I, I just used to it? But I'm like, ah, I wasn't, like, super thrilled about that like i enjoyed i actually really enjoyed watching this season of the mandalorian Mm -hmm. but i've watched some other things like recently that i was like just not super fast with and i was like meh it was okay i liked super mario but i've watched a couple other things that i was just like i didn't the hype behind Mm -hmm. it wasn't it didn't hit for me i was like nah wasn't wasn't as exciting as i thought it'd be yeah i'm i'm very just careful about reserving judgment for these things because you know if you let it get out of control it you know it it can just kind of spoil the fun for people who maybe did have a a fun time seeing the thing that that you you know maybe resent a little bit more um so yeah that like the star wars films have have uh suffered significantly from this kind of attitude um and i've, I've yeah. never felt that i mean the closest i've ever come to feeling that way about star wars is some of the random changes um, made to the originals in some of the later releases um and but o- overall like i i've been able to have a fun time experiencing you know the star wars prequels which drew a lot of complaints the sequels which you know people will um, dismiss as you know these corporate products from Disney. You know these you know silly um, anti you know the, the uh, sort of cynical anti fan um, exercises and ego by certain creators within Hollywood. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. Um, <laughs> I I try to enjoy things on on their merits um and and sometimes i i get to sort of that level of really finding myself enjoying things and other times i just i kind of uh, settle into a bit more of a a passive enjoyment of something uh, and mandalorian you know it it uh 
I feel like if I were to really engage with this season the second time, um, I could really find myself um, just captivated uh, by a lot of it. But on the first run through, uh, it was it was a little hit and miss, but definitely worth the ride. Yeah, well, that's I know people who hated the newest Star Wars movies, but I was like, mm-hmm. I liked the Star Wars movies. <laughs> like, I didn't love, so I didn't love Rogue One. I actually mm-hmm. fell asleep when I watched it. But I should probably watch it again. See, and I know people who loved it. I'm like, maybe I should watch it again because I fell asleep when I watched it. But I did like the newest Star Wars movies. Mm -hmm. And I know people who hated them. They Mm -hmm. were like, no, that wasn't it. And I was like, yeah. Other than outside of Rogue One, I think Boba Fett was the only other one that like didn't catch my attention. I do want to watch Andor and see what I think about that. But I have liked all the seasons of Mandalorian. So, yeah, like I've had a fun time. The Force Awakens was like the Super Mario Brothers movie of Star Wars films. It's just like <laughs> straight down the middle, you know, the most quintessential Star Wars movie you could possibly conceive. And then the, the sequel to that, you know, last year was such a left turn and, and Ryan Johnson had such an imprint on that. You know, people thought he was flexing his ego a little bit um, in the way he really uh, kind of subverted the the mythology of star wars you know making luke skywalker into this exile uh and yeah i actually watched i recently just watched a video where the guy like went and like added to scenes what he thought should have been in there and i was like i was like it's an interesting take but i mean i thought i thought it was fine I I, I, (laughs) i i mean i can get behind yeah what what he was doing and like he's you know sort of telling a story of how uh legends you know can can have uh <laughs> or they don't always have happy endings like sometimes people who've had these legendary experiences you know like Luke Skywalker saving the galaxy like he he had a fall from grace and now he's got to build back from it and i mean the point was that ultimately he does but I, I think, yeah, a lot of people found it to be ultimately unsatisfying the way it was depicted. Um, and, and to me, I think there could have been a, a more of a triumphant return for Luke Skywalker within those films and a triumphant return for, you know, three main human characters, you know, Luke, Han and Leia. Like, you know, why wouldn't you bring them together? But in some ways, yeah, I, it's I thought so that was obvious. weird. Yeah, but but that's such an obvious thing. It's like. Yeah. The fact that they decided against it, I mean, that that was a bold choice. And I think... And then and they straight up kill it off on Solo. So I was like, mm-hmm. no. <laughs> so no, <I'm>, you didn't. <laughs> I just know that in the future, there's going to be a large uh, segment of people who laud those films for not necessarily making the obvious choices and, and kind of going in a more subversive route or uh, in a more kind of... Um, off uh unexpected route uh, uh what's a, a way to characterize it that you know makes it seem legitimate like because yeah. sometimes you're just <laughs> being um di- dissenting for the sake of dissenting um but I, I feel like there was merit to like the decisions that were made in those films they, they were very deliberate in in what they did um, I mean, obviously, the rise of Skywalker was was very reactionary and very rushed. Um, and, 
but I thought the decision to bring back Palpatine, like that made a lot of sense. They should have just had yeah. that as the plan from the he start. Just been, he should have been the villain the whole time. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, retroactively he was, but uh, it wasn't, that wasn't necessarily the plan. <laughs> it, uh, it was like, uh, it was like WandaVision. Agatha yeah. all along. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there just could have been a, a lot more intentionality to what they did, but um, the fact that that they took some risks, um, I think, is ultimately going to be appreciated as, as the you know those films are revisited, you know, in future generations, of, uh, you know, by future generations of. Uh, film viewers, film goers. Um, I'm saying so. they can't bring them, they, even if they wanted to go back and be like, haha, we're going to bring them together. You can't because <laughs> Carrie Fisher is not around <laughs> anymore. So it's yeah. like, well, you guys missed your chance. Sorry. Yeah, a lot of... Uh, it's in the history now. <laughs> yeah, a lot of circumstances outside of uh, Lucasfilm's control with those. But yeah, the, the, the kind of the rush schedule for one thing didn't help. But, you know... Yeah, the the whole issue with yeah Carrie Fisher and it just uh, it ended up and and yeah the d difficulty finding directors and fire hiring and firing people <laughs> was just it was a uh, it was a mess and I I'm ultimately not all that disappointed with how it turned out because I feel like it could have been a lot worse. Yeah, I, it could have been uh, the Justice League movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which was uh we watched the snyder cut and that was a uh, it was a ride it was a ride uh, so here's <laughs> oh here's my proposal i'm so glad you brought up um you know the idea of bringing back those uh you know you, you know you can't bring back that the original actors uh, now unfortunately of han luke and leia but um, I feel like there's a possibility we could get some story told in between the events of the Mandalorian and the sequel trilogy. Um, I, I feel like it'd be cool to see those characters in live action again. But well, I they hate... did have a Han Solo movie. Yes. Um, so so what could they do post Return of the Jedi, post Mandalorian? Like if they had like a Grand Admiral Thrawn culmination um that involved those the main uh skywalker family um like in the novels from the original expanded universe um here, here's my thoughts um you could cast don't do defakes i hate the idea of having major characters being no yeah, just recast defakes. them yes if you're gonna do that with young actors <laughs> <laughs> and, and bring back the guy who played Han Solo. He's already done it once, so he he's not a familiar face. Um, they could use Carrie Fisher's daughter. She's an actress. She doesn't look like Leia. I, I can't. I she no does. no. I don't. But that guy doesn't look like uh, Han Solo. He didn't look like Harrison Ford. But she is. I don't know. The Billy Lord. Yeah, she. Yeah. I don't think. I mean, she, she could was do in. It. I would say she was in the last ones though, so maybe they can't because she. Oh was yeah, on the, yeah. She's she already a character. Yeah, she's yeah. already. She already has a character. She already has a person. Never mind. No, get um get Millie Bobby Brown. You'd maybe age her up a little bit, but she's wanted yeah. to do the and I. Well, when I she wears like makeup, she like looks more her age. I mm -hmm. feel like they have to make her look young for Stranger Things. 
That's true. It wouldn't be aging her up that much, but it'd be, you know, the, the character would probably be in her 30s by the time, like a, mm-hmm. a live action film. So I, I if she, she'd maybe be 30 by the time they got around to making it, <laughs> who knows? And uh, what, what's Emma Watson doing? Maybe they could. <laughs> she, I, I want She's them to, to look believably like they, yeah. they could be the character. I mean, the Ansel or uh, Alden Ehrenreich. I mean, I he he I don't know. I, the fact that he's familiar, he looks enough like Harrison Ford. It, it could work. Um, and then um, for Luke Skywalker. So, so you have a returning actor and then a newcomer who's also a celebrity with Millie Bobby Brown. And then for Luke, cast a complete unknown, you know, someone who's not familiar to, you know, your standard moviegoer. And so you've got the best of all three worlds. You've got you got the unknown, you've got the celebrity, and then you've got the veteran um, coming in to play those characters. Um, so I don't know. Well, I, it's kind of like, it's kind of like what they're trying to do with the Harry Potter uh, series. And they're like, oh, yeah, all the kids are going to be unknown like they were originally. And I'm yeah. like, don't mess this up, HBO Max. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you kind of have to. Yeah, because they're they'd you be so to, young. Yeah. Well, yeah, because they start off and they're like, they're supposed to be 12. Mm-hmm. And the original kids were like our age when they were being mm-hmm. Harry Potter and Hermione and Ron. Mm-hmm. So like you have to kind of you have to get that right. You can't put like, you know, a 16 year old as a 12 year old. It just doesn't work. Yeah. It'll be tricky uh, trying to commit to, you know, that many episodes, that many seasons. I don't know. Yeah. It's dicey. I, 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 it's kind of like how I originally, like I when they were like, oh, we're going to do Super Mario Brothers. It's going to be Chris Pratt. And I was like, I'm excited for the movie. Not excited for Chris Pratt. And I'm like, I'm interested to watch this HBO series. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, mm, I'm going to just, I'm going to go into open-minded. I really enjoyed Super Mario. Maybe I'll really enjoy the series. <laughs> I'm like, I just, you know, you grow up with those characters and you're like, they have to look like that. Yeah. I mean, Harry Potter, is it going to sustain seven seasons? You know, presumably 10 episodes a season, if not. Yeah. You know, and I they're going to have to make it like back to back so they don't age out. Back to back. They could do it. It's been done on TV, you know, throughout the years. I mean, Stranger Things is doing that. They yeah. all started off young and they're like, we have to finish this before they're, you know, 25. Well, yeah, there's <laughs> much bigger gaps in between the seasons than you would want for something that's supposed to show these kids, you know, on consecutive years of their lives. Um, so I don't know. I It's going to have to be pretty quick turnaround. Um, but well, I think I think Stranger Things, the last Stranger Things is coming out next year, I believe, at the beginning of next year. That's five seasons versus um, seven for Harry <laughs> <Yeah>. Potter. Uh, <laughs> so. We'll I mean, that's going to just be a lot of filming, honestly, and like a yeah. lot of like effects and things because you can't like you can't like, <clears throat> but, yeah, I guess you can't like just like barely do the effects like they have to be like they were in the original because that's what made it like so immersive. Yeah, the like, production, oh, I want to be yeah. there. <laughs> production value has to be blockbuster level if it's going to attract viewers, but sometimes when you're putting the cart before the horse like this and promising a, an expansive shared universe um, before it exists, then people just kind of their eyes glaze over and they're like, well, yeah, I just, 
and you know i just want to experience this one at a time basically i I guess it's a little different than like the shared universe thing because um you know they know what they're in for with harry potter it's it's a familiar story um yeah but you know we've had major failures in things like the dark universe or um the dc you know attempts to to build the dc universe on the scale of like the marvel cinematic universe and the reason the marvel cinematic universe was successful is because it wasn't conceived as this as a massive yeah. thing that it ultimately became yeah it, like snowballed into that mm-hmm. and that one well, i think that's thing. what a lot of like yeah it's like what a lot of them are trying to do now like franchises and things they're like oh let's make a whole universe and i'm like Sometimes it's just overwhelming. I'm like, can't we just have like, you know, a standalone movie that's good? Yeah. No, like, right. no, we have to make it into this big mega big fight out universe where everyone's linked. And I'm like, I don't need that. <laughs> Wonder Woman could never talk to Superman and I'd be fine. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. I mean, it's expensive. It's time consuming. Um, so there's a limit to what you can do with the time that we have. Um all right, I'll uh, sign off here. But uh, Bridget, thank you so much. Is there some social media you want to share before we sign off? Sure, you can find me on Instagram. That's Bridget. That's Bridge with a T. Five two four six. Thank you, and uh, find the Thodcast, uh, Thodcast dot com, and uh, at Thodcast on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, at, I'm at Philip Elke on Twitter and Instagram, and uh, yeah, thank you. Once again, Bridget, for uh, chatting. It's been a long one, but uh, fun <laughs> for me. I would see. Appreciate anyone who stuck with us uh, to now. Uh, anything else? Final thoughts, Bridget? Before I sign off. Ah, uh, no, not really. Grogu's oh. really cute. The end. <laughs> All right. This is the way. Yeah. May the force be with you, um, Philip Elke for. Bridget and the Thodcast, thank you so much. You all have a magical day. Have a wonderful week and warm hugs. Mm-hmm.